We still do seven NUFC Matters show a week for free. But if you want to help support NUFC Matters, then there are a few ways of doing it. Hit the like button on each live broadcast and video. This helps the channel grow. Hit the subscribe button and select the all notifications bell so you don't miss a single show. If you want to help us financially, then you can join the channel using this button with the membership starting at $1.99 a month. Or you can drop us a donation in the chat using a super sticker. We're also looking for sponsors. If you'd like your brand advertised on the flies for the show and featured during the ad break, then email john at nufcmatters.com to arrange today. Good evening, welcome along to NUFC Matters. It is the Three Amigos, the perfect way to kickstart your Newcastle United weekend. Uh, good to see everybody and uh, in the chat, uh, 190 waiting for us to come on. It's, uh, never taken for granted. Thanks everybody for uh, for tuning in. And uh, as always, joined by Mitch, who is uh, entertaining. Uh, Stu Penman is uh, in the vicinity, but not on screen uh, tonight. You can catch him on Sunday, of course. And Steve Hasty. Uh, Fresh from uh, another day's graft is uh, looking uh, resplendent in black and white, Steve. That's the way to describe it. Thank you very much, Steve. But we've spotted a little bit of Adidas just to get where the theme for next season. <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, let's start there because Mitch sent me um, a tweet and uh, he copied us in in the uh, the WhatsApp group that we've got. And um, just a, a, an interesting tweet that's gone out today, Mitch. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, Seller have released a tweet not saying they've signed a, a memorandum in strategic partnership with Adidas, um, which was looking at promoting lifestyle and quality of life in Saudi Arabia. Now, part of the Vision 2030 that, that uh, they have is improving the health of the nation and getting people active and getting people into things. Now, obviously, the conduit for this has been the passing on the football. There's no, <laughs> there's no uh, coincidence there, is there? But also, I, I do wonder if, if the strategic partnership between the two can only then in the long term benefit us going forward. Two of our main sponsors working together on projects and um, building long term visions, again, with 2030 and it's the kind of stuff that's just going to disappear tomorrow. You know, these 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 things are made to last. In particular, because I've seen what's happened here in the UAE um, with the, 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 the plan that the UAE had, particularly Dubai, which is most certainly what um, Saudi Arabia have leaned on heavily in looking at their goals. You know, this is a region with uh, a significant proportion of people under 30. But it's also a region with a significant problem with things like diabetes, obesity, 
uh, and people being inactive. And so that that's what the motion's for. But anything that in this region is tying Newcastle United's two main sponsors together has got to, in the long term, have a kickback for Newcastle United too. And I think also shows commitment from everybody to long-term projects. And I think we can take heart in that and look and say, yes, we might be sitting at the end of the transfer window feeling a little disappointed or confused, which I'm also going to talk about that later. Um, there's things going on in the background that say, this is still a long-term project. This is here to stay and it's not going anywhere. Interesting that, wasn't it, Steve? I mean, um, you know, we, we've often spoken on this programme about the potential of, of things happening over the course of the next 12 months. And, you know, I, I'm sure things will. You know, we're talking about training ground sponsors. We're talking about stadium sponsors, uh, you know, kits, uh, training kit sponsors. So much that we don't have at the moment. But but ultimately, you know, something, some of those things we expect to see sooner rather than later. But to hear this... Uh, link between Seller and Adidas. Um, yeah, it, it, it's definitely a, a bit of an eyebrow raise tonight on that. Yeah, absolutely. An eyebrow raiser for a lot of people. But I don't think so much an eyebrow raiser for us three, because if anyone who's watched the show, over, uh, you know, going right back to the very start, we talked endlessly about the possibilities and the links and the health benefits and um, the tie-ups that, that could come um the, the 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 number of young people that live in Saudi Arabia um i don't know how many times if, and if we went if somebody has the has the time to go back they'll 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 know that Mitch has mentioned this many many times over the last two years three years pre pre takeover we talked about you know if this happens what it'll mean for the people of Saudi Arabia not just the people of the northeast not just our football club but the vision of 2030 but an awful lot more so uh, yeah, I mean this this kind of cements what the the direction that we anticipated this going, um, in terms of sponsors. We didn't we didn't necessarily suggest Adidas because we didn't know that Adidas uh, was going to be the shirt sponsors, but we had we had that vision that this is this is the opportunity that could avail itself. This is where Newcastle United could be on centre stage um, in Saudi in the years to come. Uh, the name of the football club, the name of the region. Um, very much on everybody's lips and sponsors and tie-ups. And it's also interesting to note today, I think, that uh, the uh, the Saudi government over the last week have announced that they're making it a lot easier in terms of visas um, as because of a tie-up with the British government for people to be able to come and watch the games from Saudi Arabia um, without the, the, the preamble that you currently have to go with with getting a visitor visa. So they've streamlined that process. This is all the sort of thing that we talked about all the benefits that would come. Um, so it's going to be an interesting 18 months to two years and however much longer the uh, Adidas sponsorship uh, sticks with Newcastle. Hopefully up to 2030 and beyond. Yeah, OK, we'll watch that with interest. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's something we have talked about on here many, many times. And uh, great to see little things come to fruition uh, that we mentioned and in, uh, in due course. And, um, you know, I guess from our perspective, we don't like to speculate on here. We, we do like to try and give you a little bit of a, a push in the right direction when we feel something may happen. And uh, once again, pleased to see, you know, that that, is, uh, that has come around. Um, transfer window, lads. Uh, Open and shut case. Um, Nick got in a bit earlier and said, I understand FFP, but I believe our owners have made a mistake in not signing anyone. Would you agree? I mean, I mentioned on the, the Northeast Footy Brekkie show on Toon Radio this morning that, you know, I, I felt that Darren Eels conditioned 
the support, you know, the, the fans with his statement early on to potentially not expect any transfer business whatsoever and to, you know, potentially see a player go out. That didn't happen. Uh, Kieran Trippier, Almiron, Wilson, Bruno, to a lesser extent, uh, Jamal Lascelles, all linked with uh, with moves out of Newcastle United, St James's Park this month. None of them have gone. Um, it felt a little bit as if we were conditioned to accept that being a good thing. It felt like, you know, the majority of people, it felt like a bit like a Darren Brown mind game, um, you know, where we all sat back and we all sat back about 10 days before the end of the window. We all sat back and went, okay, well, fair enough. As long as we're not going to lose Trippier, we're not going to lose Almiron, well, we'll accept that for now. And that's what it felt like. And, and I mean, I was really wound up a couple of weeks into the transfer window, but I know from my own personal opinion, not speaking for any, anyone else on the platform, I felt a bit calm on the last week. I felt bored that there was nothing going to happen, but I was accepting that and I was over the moon that we weren't going to lose any players. And that seemed to come out of Tyndall's press conference, which we'll come to. Um, but Tyndall's press conference today, he was saying, you know, it, it's a good result not losing anybody. You know, we haven't we haven't we haven't strengthened, but we haven't we haven't become weaker in this window. So it's as you were, and we're confident in our ability to to push on and motivate these people. So yeah, what what what's your, what's your thoughts, Mitch? Have have the ownership made a mistake? I would I would say not, but you might have a different opinion. I said before I would be disappointed if Eddie wasn't backed in some way. Um, I remain a little disappointed. I don't think they've missed a the trick. I do worry on the trying to be a little bit too cute. Although again, it sounds like some of the players that have been out for a while seem to be a lot closer to coming back than we realised all of a sudden. Has that had an influence on it? I don't know. The one thing I am glad is we haven't spunked a load of cash unnecessarily anyway. Um, you know, you look at look at how Phillips started for West Ham. Imagine if his first touch in the Newcastle shirt was to pass it to a Villa player and go one more down after 90 seconds. Um, that was never a good move at basically half a million a game and he's not match fit and he's not match sharp and he was a concern were we getting uh calvin phillips who played for leeds under bielsa and was one of the top three midfielders in the country or were we getting calvin phillips who was overweight and couldn't get a game man city i think we've had that question answered and i'm certainly glad we didn't waste cash in that way um, I think we'd have been very, very pissed seeing that happen as one main move of the January transfer with them. Um, we don't know how he's responded to it. I know there's a there's a theory he was missing from the, the press conference today and let Tindall do it because he's not happy. But that's, we're in tinfoil hat territory a little bit with that. We can all guess a bit about it, but we don't need it. Um, I think there's, there are still questions to ask about certain things. Um, it, it, they, they can only hide behind FFP for so long. It has been earnings tables listed today, which shows us as earning more than Liverpool in the last year. So I think there's only so long that can last. But at the same time, I would rather 
not take the chance of having a dalliance with the Premier League when they're in a, um, a final mood, shall we say, about FFP. Because, by God, we'll get hammered if we are seen to have transgressed. That's, that's what they want. Would be giving them what they want and handing it on a plate if we did that. Um, so I understand why they've got to be cautious. People saying, oh, well, good worship, don't want everything that's interesting in Half a million or whatever would have saved on that really wouldn't have put a dent in the FF big enough to do something about it. Um, so I don't think that, that's sensible either. Really. Um, letting players go without a reasonable um, way to bring more in than we let go uh, would have been a nonsense too. So, you know, it, it, we've had to play a, a little bit of chess with it. Um, I'm, I feel everybody's frustrated. I'm frustrated as well. Like I say, I'm disappointed. I feel like it could have been back up. Because there's absolutely no way Bruno and Gordon are getting the 32 games without picking up another yellow. They are both going to do two game suspensions. Let's be honest about it. Um, I can't see that not happening because I think Bruno picks up yellows sometimes when he's treated harsher than other players. Gordon to an extent as well, but it's also part of that game. And if you take that out of that game, they're lesser players. So we've just got to let it happen. Now, if we've got players coming back quicker, then that is less of a burden than what it would initially seem to be today. But let's just see what I guess tomorrow brings and what the squad tomorrow is going yeah, uh, Chris Jagger, good evening. Says, I saw a stat that says uh, only 79 million is being spent by Premier League sides during the window. I think that all teams are seeing FFP differently after Everton's deduction. Jules, good evening. Says, uh, Mitch, Jesus, don't say that. I can already hear some channels and socials ready in a show. How protest against owners. Eddie hates the owners. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's very true, Jules. Eddie's been hung out to dry regarding the ins and outs, which is what Mark Byers said earlier. He's probably fed up talking about it. This should be Ashworth answering these questions, not Eddie. Derek says, I think in the summer we can lose players and have time to replace and bed into the team. Evening, uh, Ferry Hill Max. Hope you're well. Uh, Benny says, I uh, think you lad said that Harrison from Man City was a deal worth nine million. That's something had Miggy gone for the 26 million, surely would have signed a first teamer. But Miggy is one lad that's fit every week. Rumours coming out now, Benny, undisclosed fee that it was as low as two and a half million for Harrison. So um, not the nine million that was originally pushed out there by the media. Uh, Sean says that there's no excuse not bringing in a strike run loan. Bournemouth and Fulham were able to do it. Um, it needn't, needn't have been a star, but cover for a very uh, brittle duo front. Europe is critical for us uh, this season. And... Uh, Emmett, good evening, listening in the Metro Centre, he says. I hope you're having a great time there, mate. Uh, slightly disappointed we didn't sign anyone, but the positives are Barnes and Willock, etc. on the way back, says Michael. And uh, Cynical Jim says, to be fair to Phillips, it was his first game with a new team after a little bit of criticism earlier in the chat there. Uh, with very little training with the teammates and obviously not going to be match fit. Um, Mark says, the Premier League will be in panic mode after how quiet, how quiet the window was. Their product will suffer. FFP is surely on borrowed time now. Lots of great points coming in. Try to get through as many as I could there, Steve, before uh, we brought you in. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think Sky will probably have something to say about it. They love milking that. And I mean, their viewing figures must be through the roof on transfer deadline day. But I tell you what, I bet you a few people did what I did yesterday, which is switch off. Uh, because the big headlines were Lewis Hamilton signing for, for Ferrari and the uh, the trailer for Fury and Uzik, um, you know, be, being released. And... Uh, no, that could be that could be a waste of money if uh, what I'm hearing from Tyson's training camp's correct. But uh, we will wait and see what happens with that. Um, but yes, yeah, Steve, 
your your thoughts on the window was it a what you know was it the, the, the you know the owners hanging uh, how out the drive was how complicit in all of this was he you know he's very good at saying the right thing at press conferences was he you know was was he told this months ago that this was going to be the case and he would have to get on with things what, what what's your what's your gut feeling on this around about december time how was talking about bring players in right up until the end he was talking about the possibilities but maybe he's not he wasn't kind of tempering the whole thing um Darren Eels came out with the statement and uh, I, I got the impression there was some conflict there, I must admit. Um, whether or not Darren Eels was also aware that nobody else was going to be buying anybody, nobody else was going to be selling anybody, there was nothing going to happen in the transfer market, whether that's the sort of um, card that he was playing, um, because let's face it, it's been the most damp squib of a, of a transfer window that, that there's ever been. I think Simon Jordan was, uh, was missing on the show on... Talk sport on Thursday night when Jim White does his, his, his great big, you know, stick the yellow tie on and talk about transfer windows closing and how exciting it is. And when he was asked why he wasn't on the show, he says, because I couldn't be bothered because it, I would have just fallen asleep, you know, because there was nothing going to happen. And it was pretty obvious to him as well, you know. Uh, I mean, Jordan's a, a, a character to begin with. But, uh, I mean, getting back to ours, I think... What we had, I just jotted down there, we had LaSalle's, Isaac, Wilson and Target mentioned in dispatches as possible moves when there was nothing, nothing, not a single whisper uh, out of the club. The club mentioned Trippier. There was a little more of a mention, that, you know, the fact that people came in for Trippier and then didn't. The Almiron story, I think, was stronger than than was made out. Um, and there was also whispers about Dubravka being happy. Now, I think the Almiron and Trippier won Fair enough, but I think all the others were scrambling around among the press, uh, looking for stories, looking for something to write. Um, I've, I've done a little piece in there on NUFC Fans United, the little match preview, where I've said, based on the press conference that we've just witnessed with uh, with Jason Tindall and the questions that the press asked, there's no Pulitzer Prize is going to be given out to any of the Newcastle press pack. We know that for a fact because they had they had ample opportunity. And what did they talk about? They talked about chocolate. You know, they talked about photographs. You know, they didn't get into any nitty gritty at all. And I thought, I just thought, well, this sums it up. This was, if if ever there was a GCSE press conference, that was it today in my mind. Um, no, no earth shattering questions. No thought given. Um, and most of them would have got a would have got an F anyway when the results come out of that of that GCSE. So all in all, um, complete waste of time. But there again, you you look at you look at the Brogia situation at Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea wanted fifty million, and uh, it was a straight straight deal. Then it then it became it became five million with a loan fee of five million, and then a guarantee that you would buy them. Then all of a sudden, on the last day, it became no fee. No guarantee of buying, uh, just take them on loan. And that was Chelsea panicking. And there was a whole list of other players. That that summed up the transfer uh, situation for me. And again, you look at the press, and as you say, young Harrison, £9 million at the beginning of the week. Um, and it looks like it was less than two. So again, it shows you that they know absolutely nothing. Um, and it's it's very disappointing. I'd rather that they didn't come out with anything than make stuff up because it's pretty obvious that a lot of the stuff is uh, taken from other people's social media links um, and gossip and uh, innuendo and whatever else you want to call it. Um, twaddle is the word I would use. Yes, uh, Gary says... Um, 
I reckon Peter Odomwangi was waiting in his car in the car park ah. a little bit. <laughs> Must be a tattoo driver now, is he? <laughs> I'll I tell you one thing that's come up that's really a deal for me. Though. It's the, the final deal, apparently, is, is if he doesn't play the PSA, but if he does play, there'll be no thing. That got me thinking today. Lewis Hall, we've got a loan with an obligation. Are we on some sort of deal where it's the other way around? If he plays so many games, the fee goes up. And if he hits another threshold, does the fee go up? And if he does another threshold, does the fee go up? And are we in a situation where they're managing the deal and managing the player so that they're paying what they want to pay rather than paying the 25 million that you were told was the obligation? Maybe it's the 25 million is an obligation if he pays 20 games. It, it, it just got me thinking today that that deal such so convoluted and weird i've never come across a deal like that for a loan is that we got some sort of weird clause in that deal hall because hall doesn't seem unhappy he doesn't seem like a player who's sitting on the bench twiddling his thumbs and he's he's destined you know and he's, he's paid off he seems reasonably comfortable you watch him interact on some of the things they were doing like i don't know if you saw the darts thing they did this week and he seemed, he's very much part of the team and very much part of the squad. That's not a player who's out in the cold by, by any means. That's a player who's happy to be part of the squad. And that deal just started to sort of get my brain thinking that is, is there something in the whole deal that we're missing? That's why he hasn't made the appearances we thought he made. Well, it's funny that because Eddie Howe said it was a very complicated deal Steve he's, he's said that on more than one occasion when being quizzed about why Hall isn't getting a game yeah and there are complicated deals all over Chelsea at the moment aren't there there's a complicated deal there uh, with Roma for example um with uh with Lukaku now that now that Mourinho's no longer there what happens does Lukaku come back with still a long-term contract um he's just one of a number uh, the number of players they tried to get out on loan and couldn't. Um, that tells me that that their financial fair play is going to be in in the dog dirt for next season. Um, you know that I think there's I think there's clubs being scrambling around trying to get the figures down for the end of this season so that they don't look too bad. And now I think they are I think they're caught in a in a in a big trap. Um, but yeah, I mean it it, it shows you how complicated deals have become you know i mean you, you listen to you listen to the price of football podcasts and you listen to some of the financial experts and you listen to interviews with agents and you, you bump into agents and talk to them and you find out that you know the days of a player going down to to scotch corner and signing in a, in a hotel you know and the manager meeting them halfway from the club and all this type of thing um Long, long gone. And it's not that long ago, you know, when Terry Mack and, and Kevin Keegan were driving down there to convince Rob Lee to come up and stuff like that. And now it's it's all done in a totally different way. And the, the manager is well out of all of the, the negotiation. It's all done by lawyers, lawyers, agents, um, accountants, uh, financial advisors, tax advisors. I mean, God knows how many people must be in a room when they start to do a deal. 
Um, and it must be even worse when it becomes a deal that's involving an overseas club as well, translations and 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 such like. Um, it, it's just a, such a complicated way of of moving players on. Um, and it and this is just, I suppose, the nature of football now. That this is there's sponsors get involved, there's players moving to a club where everybody's on a boot deal of something else or a kit deal, and this player's on a kit deal with a different company, and uh, then that that involves that company as well. You know, whether it's whether it's Nike or Adidas uh, or whomever. Um, you know, the, the, all of these are are little cogs that all need to fall into place before a deal's done. Um, but getting back to to where we are, we, we haven't lost anyone other than the two that we, we know of, which was Hayden and uh, Manquio. Um, we've brought Young Harrison in. Um, are we are we stronger in the short term? I think we're a little bit weaker because we've also, as Mitch has already mentioned, we've got that. That fear of 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 knowing that we're going to lose um, the two lads through suspensions at some point in time, we've still got hanging over us the injuries. Um, you know, uh, we're still hearing uh, a couple of weeks away, a couple of weeks away, getting there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, for Barnes and for Willock. Um, if Eddie knew and he had a date set, or if Jason Tyndall now after today's press conference had a date set where he could he could actually ring it in the calendar and say, There you go, that's the day that Willock's gonna be back, that's the day Bonds is gonna be back. Um, great, that's the day Anderson's gonna be back. But unfortunately, it's not working out like that for us, you know. And with the suspensions hanging over players, I just wonder where we're gonna be. I suppose Wilson returning. Um, and it sounds like potentially on the bench tomorrow. Um, Isak, doubtful but. That but was like the most positive but I've heard mm-hmm. um, from, from a fan's point of view. You know, I was going, yes, that's that's a but that means he's all right. Because he didn't go down and clutching all sorts of parts of his body as he has done in the past. I mean, he, he literally sat on the floor, felt a twinge, sat on the floor and, and was caught it off after 43 minutes. Um, let's hope it was very, very much precautionary. Because I think the lad is a little bit soft when it comes to injuries. He's not one of those that can run around and go through the pain barrier. I think his whole skeletal makeup, you know, the long legs, the, the, the dynamic running that he does, um, I think that, especially with the injuries he's had recently, um, I think he, he very much wraps himself in kit gloves as well. Um, superb player that he is on his day, unplayable. Um, but we've got to just be very, very careful because with a player like that, another setback and we could lose him for the entire season. You know, suddenly finding out that it's, it's an operation and a groin operation would mean that we wouldn't see him until uh, until next August, September. Yeah, that's a concern. Um, you know, and a, a, a repeated injury, um, a repetitive injury, is one thing. But I mean, again, you know, we're, we're not a hundred percent sure. But he may well be getting told that if you feel anything, if there's yeah. if there's any if there's any pain, and get yourself down. You know, get yourself down, and uh, you know that's probably the best thing to do. Uh, okay, uh, I'm I'm going to go to uh, tweet of the week. Um, George is missing, so Neil, I think a, a good idea. I've texted that, but I haven't had a response. Maybe he's give him a bell just to see how he's doing, and I'll crack on with the uh, the tweets of the week. And a big thank you to everybody who sent these in. Uh, Star Wars, everyone knows I enjoy the Star Wars fans. Uh, only a Star Wars fan will see this. 
Excellent, that. Thank you very much. And the Star Trek ones are becoming as popular. I've got about 100 of these uh, to use. Back on Earth, it's a five-minute walk from my house to the pub. But it's a 45-minute walk from the pub back to my house. The difference is staggering. <laughs> oh, yes. Very good. Uh, that one friend who will stay with us for lifelong uh, was uh, a great tweet and a lovely photograph there of two two guys, two actors who got a lot of respect for each other. Uh, this was the reply underneath. Really? Then why Spider-Man didn't come when Titanic was sinking? <laughs> so... Um, those of you who uh, those of you who follow uh, X um, and and will have seen this Aston Villa account, my God, who uh, he, he's become he's become a bit of a vexation to the spirit whenever whenever there's a game between uh, Newcastle and Aston Villa. Uh, back in five minutes, gone to the bank. Um, Villa watch one. Whoever he is, just loves getting a rise out of Newcastle fans, and um, he does it. And uh, he, he promised everybody a hundred pounds if Villa had got beat off Newcastle. Um, he's then deleted his account. So, yeah, lots of fun around that this uh, this week. Gary Scott, cheers! Thanks for all your tweets this week. Excuse me, doctor. Can I ask you something? What happens when we die? We give your bed to somebody else. <laughs> Not a good bedside manner, is it? Um, and if you go, if you, if you go into a restaurant um, and get this spaghetti carbonara for tea, oh dear me, very right. good. A lot, of, a lot of effort went into that, Steve. I think a lot of effort no, went into too that. much effort. <laughs> and uh, good to see, good to see, yeah, uh, somebody um, sticking a little bit of money uh, in for the stripper. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and this one, anywhere you want, you got it. Anywhere you need, oh, you got it. There we go, Roy Uberson. Brilliant. Brilliant. And, and now, if you'd like to repeat your vows, A E I O U. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, don't stop. Retrieving, hold on to that feeling. Very good, thank you for that one as well. People like to get us a sing, don't they? Why alien abductions happen only at night? It's 9 p.m., and you're just now telling me you need a human for school tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, thanks to Ray for this one. Putting these two shops next to each other, it's a sin. That's a the pet man. shop, boys. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I got sent this one a couple of weeks ago when we're getting some bad weather. I do like this. Speed limit, 25. Look underneath. It's a bittersweet moment when a signpost dies and its spirit leaves its body. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Great photo. Uh, Lost Voice guy was uh, in good form this week. Hi, ITV Football. I'm available if you want to sub Lee Dixon at half time. I can't talk, but I'm a lot less depressing. <laughs> Brilliant, that. Absolutely brilliant. We'll get a lot of these uh, uh, inbox ones uh, from people's mobiles. Uh, rice, salt, wheat, cucumbers. What the hell is this, dude? When did you unblock me? I used to write a grocery list here. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you get on the opticians? Registered blind. Shut up. Aye. Are you home? I don't know. I cannot see. <laughs> Um, and I think this probably applies to a few people. Um, finally, a running event that interests me. Definitely. 
Uh, somebody mentioned in the chat before that we're still going through Klopp, Klopp week. It's now Klopp month. Um, yeah. Well, they've started building a statue. <laughs> and don't forget the Klopp school back this summer, guys. <laughs> did you see his press conference, by the way? I did, where yes. He, where he was interrupted by the dentist. Was that you, Mitch? <laughs> What a classic. Absolute classic, wasn't it, he says? Yeah, not me. Uh, uh, I can't remember seeing so many gutted scousers since the invention of locking wheel nuts. <laughs> that was another good one that I got sent. And this one. Um, this one, yeah. Elton John uh, playing a tune for, for Klopp. <laughs> um, moving on. Vegan. The chicken you're eating had a family. Me. That's why I ordered the family bucket. No one gets left behind. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. And yeah, some vegan cheesecake to wash it out uh, to have it uh, afterwards for your dessert. <laughs> and please stand close. You are holding a pistol, not a rifle, is a sign uh, that I was sent from a, a urinal this week. <laughs> and I'd hate to be the receptionist who answers the telephone calls here, guys. Oh. Uh oh. We don't need to. Can you work this one out? It's Pink Floyd, lads. Yeah. We Ed. don't need no education. Oh. Very clever. Very be a clever. Song. Be a song. Uh, totally irresponsible for the BBC to be encouraging fans to get stuck into the crowd. Uh, get involved. Get involved. <laughs> Ugly scenes. Brilliant, that. Brilliant, that, that one. Good. And uh, I'm sorry to have to tell you, sir, that your wife's been in an accident. How is she? She's rather critical. Typical. What you complaining about now? <laughs> and later that day, Sally taught herself how to ride her own bike. <laughs> good, good move, Sally. J.R. Hartley, uh, Piccadilly Records. Yes, I wonder if you can help me. I'd like to get bummed by the Happy Mondays. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. And last three, my mate set me up on a blind date. He said she's a lovely lass, but there's something you should know. She's expecting a baby. I felt a right prat waiting in the pub wearing nothing but a nappy. Oh, and Tesco's aren't beating around the bush. Ideal for Valentine's Day underneath the cucumbers. <laughs> and the winner for this uh, week is this one. It's a nice day for a light breading. Oh. Thank you, Gary. Yes. To sing again, really. Uh, keep your tweets coming in. You can send them to us on our Facebook page or Facebook group. Just like the page, uh, follow the group, and uh, you can also send them to us on Twitter. That is it. Thanks. And stand by your beds. Where have you been? Sleeping. You've been sleeping? Well, that's oh, great. I was sitting waiting for it to start, and when I, well, the next thing I knew, I went needle phone this and woke us up. <laughs> as long as you're all right, George, welcome to the show. Mate. Yeah, welcome I was all right. I was, as long as it wasn't us that put him to sleep. <laughs> no, no, seriously, I was. I was. I was sitting all eager at the start, and next thing I knew, the phone rang, and it was Neil telling us that you were started. <laughs> Classic. 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 
I'll stick you down there next to uh, next to your son. You can keep nudging you if you're not off. Um, <laughs> so Jason Tyndall, Steve, today uh, in front of the cameras, I found it. I found it refreshing. Uh, Eddie feeling a touch unwell this morning, not not feeling too good. Uh, did take training this afternoon and is um, is out and about tonight because I've uh, one of my mates has just texted us to to say that he's uh, just bumped into him. So he's he's uh, he's hovering round. Uh, the Newcastle area tonight uh, is Eddie Howe. But um, it sounds as if everything's okay for tomorrow. Um, thoughts on, on on the way Tyndall covered? I mean, I haven't had time to do them. I've managed to dictate it and I'll, I'll do it tomorrow before the match tomorrow. I'll, I'll stick I'll stick the press review out. But I thought it was fantastic. Refresh, it, was, it was refreshing, put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's not often we hear from Jason Tyndall. And I was being a bit flippant when I talked about the way the press uh, handled it. But it, at the end of the day, the guy was put in front of the cameras. Um, and he's he's obviously got a sense of humour. We know that now. Um, we knew it anyway by some of the things. It was interesting when he was asked about Emery and feeling a handshake uh, with him and this type of thing. And, you know, how it didn't faze him. He wasn't bothered. Um, all the usual things that you would have expected to hear. Um, he's uh, when 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 they went on about the photographs, and he said, you know, there's a bit of a superstition now among the among the squad, and some of the people have to stand in exactly the same place for the photograph now. And um, it's all it was all done in jest. It was all a little bit of fun, and it's now taking a life of its own. Um, and I think that shows you that the the sort of camaraderie, the 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 humour that that's existing among the squad. Um, the fact that that they can get around the, the the room and you know that everybody's everybody's pally and this type of thing. It, I'd rather have a, pre a dressing room like that than the one that are always at each other's throats. To be perfectly honest, Steve, let's face it. And we've known yeah. at times that Newcastle United dressing room has been exactly that um, poisonous at times, um, clicky, almost to the point of you know at each other's throats. Older players arguing with younger players, younger players throwing chairs at managers and coaches and all of that type of thing. Even when players went out for a drink, they couldn't sit civilly together at times. You know, there was there was there was trouble. Um, and 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 it's just refreshing that we've got a we've got a bunch of lads and a, and quite a mixed um, bunch in terms of of coming from different parts of the world, but they all seem to be getting on. Um, it's interesting. As well, it's sort of you know that we're aware of the dynamic on the pitch, but there's obviously also a slightly different dynamic within the dressing room itself. And um, we all think you know Joe Linton and and Bruno together, but obviously Bruno and the, the situation with the chocolate and sharing it out among the players and having a good laugh and everybody, you know, we're, we're probably we're now into chocolate gate, though, aren't we? We're gonna there's gonna be kids at, at, at the match now with arms full of chocolates, and especially when it comes out to Easter, there's going to be Easter eggs and all sorts thrown on the pitch. <laughs> People wanting to play our shirts, but, uh, you know, it's all it's all good humour, it's all good fun. But uh, it, it it kind of, in a way, and, and Mitch will probably agree, it, it kind of took the heat out of, out of the week. It took the heat out of the questions about transfers and the lack transfers. It meant that, you know, Jason Tyndall was in a situation where he couldn't answer any of the questions, so it was pointless asking him. He hasn't been involved in it. It's not his role. He's the number two. So the the, the whole press conference goes off on a, on a different tangent. Um, and especially after the way that we've played over the last couple of games, far better to 
concentrate on the positive than look at the negative before what is an important game again tomorrow. Keep the winning way going. Uh, three wins out of four. Um, we, we would normally accept three wins out of four every four games, but we haven't been getting that. So that's why it's important that we get that win uh, tomorrow. And uh, I'm looking forward to the game, Steve. It's, uh, it's, it's fascinating. And what we're seeing there, Furian Isak is off. You sick, sorry. Um, I, I heard this. I heard this. Yeah. Uh, yes, I heard this yesterday. Uh, to be honest, yeah. it's not. There's nothing official coming out of any of the channels I've, yet. But uh, I've just booked me bloody flight today. How? Mm. Well, I got told. I, I got. Told I mean, this, this comes. Man. This comes from the story that 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 was spinning out earlier in the week that that uh, Fury had been put on his backside, didn't it? And that mm -hmm. caused a lot of friction. And, and I know Johnny Nelson spoke without actually seeing it. He said he'd he'd, he'd been clipped in training and. Uh, I know that uh, various people were coming out going, it's a load of tosh, don't don't believe a word of it. And now it looks like he has been hurt, you know, so unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, it's not confirmed yet. I must, I must, I must put that, you know, put that across. And I think disappointing if it is, but not unexpected. Well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure the Fury's in the right place for this fight. He's already moved it once. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, you'd be gutted because you were going to go. Do and I have tickets? Uh, have tickets? I. Um, yeah. bloody good ones at that. Aye, ringside. Crack and fight. Anyone who's interested in boxing, by the way, tomorrow night, Boati against Aziz. Don't miss yeah. that. Uh, right. When I when I was involved in the boxing game, I saw Aziz up front, uh, up close, uh, when he fought my fighter, Lawrence Osuweki. Um, that that was for a, a British title eliminator, and um, he's a very good fighter, Aziz. Boati thinks he's got it all his own way. It'll be interesting to see how that uh, right. interesting to see how that goes. It will be. Yeah. Uh, so right. two good yeah, friends as well. Out the clearly, ring, good. clearly, this has been announced. You know, somewhere, because uh, lots of people now are coming up with Uzik against um, Fury being off, but Sky haven't run with it yet. I'm, I'm expecting it uh, any minute. So when I get confirmation, well, I've got confirmation, which you might have seen on the screen there, that Newcastle trip to Blackburn and the FA Cup will take place on Tuesday, the 27th of February. It'll be a 7.45 kickoff live on BBC. And uh, oh, it's awkward, but it's, uh, Tuesday night after a Saturday night, eight o'clock kickoff. You know, the, again, TV not being kind to us uh, at all. Uh, George, uh, Tyndall did the press conference. Were you awake for that? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard enough about it. Uh, and I think, isn't it appropriate when uh, on the day that Klopp blames them for the new rules on the on the touchline? Because mm. yeah. Klopp, was, Klopp was saying that those new rules are all about Newcastle. Well, you know who he was talking about? He was talking about Tyndall. And he was asked about it. He was asked about it today, Tyndall. Really? Tyndall, said, um, Tyndall said, yeah, he says, I think the rule was changed for us. Um, he says, but I think we've adapted quite well. He says, from our perspective, you know, he says, um, we've always stood together. Um, he yeah. says, but I haven't been booked yet. He says, I haven't been told to sit down yet. And he says, if I do go a little bit too far, um, he says, then, you know, he says the fourth official pulls us back. He says, but, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm obviously behaving myself, he says, because we haven't done anything wrong. So I, I thought it was good. You know, it was 40 <laughs> minutes that we got on, on, on the Newcastle United official YouTube channel. That's where it, I didn't watch it. And I thought it was brilliant, George. He, he was every bit as good and better. You use the, the word. It's refreshing, isn't it? Yeah, um, of course it is. And, and you can see, I think you can see why him and Howe are such a good matchup. You know, it's it's 
Yeah, they're all, they're all good teams come in pairs, don't they? Morgan Wise, Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> well, Howen Tyndall is going to be another one of them because he, he seems like a right character, but in a good sense. Um, and you can see how the players could bounce off that as well. Um, it, uh, it, it, you can see the, the, the happy faces of the dressing room, you know, the, the, the smilers like uh, uh, Miggy and um, uh, oh, the lad that just located his shoulder, man. Come on. Um, uh, Jacob Murphy. Murphy. They, they must be must be great to have them in the dressing room with with the with the sort of uh, um, nice easy atmosphere that Howe and Tyndall seem to uh, generate, and that that's got to be a big part of what's happening to our team and and, and some of our players. You know, to, to to play with that, it must it must be great. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, to have a second a second in command who can handle a press conference like that and. Uh, Almost at the drop of a hat um, is is just great and an augur as well uh, for the future. Um, at, uh, yeah, it, it it's just um, just refreshing. I think you, know, you 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 and Steve used the, the right words. Refreshing was was the right word to use, and but also very professional. Um, he was. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, my, my eyes are getting better. I could read that. <laughs> um, uh, um, yeah, it, uh, it's it, yeah. Overall, it's, isn't that good for for the for the team and for the dressing room? That's that's the important thing. And uh, that he can laugh off laugh off the the technical area stuff as well. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the one of the most disappointing things for me in in this last. Couple of months was the the, the reaction of, of Emery after our victory. He couldn't look how in the eye, never mind shake his hand. In fact, he just threw his hand in Howe's way. He didn't actually shake his hand. He never got near Tyndall. Uh, he just off up the touchline. You know, wow. I, I you know, it's it's. Uh, I, I don't mind. Uh, we'll have a hard time. We'll, we've had to put up with some some losses this year. But I hope we never we never get like that. That that's uh, beyond the pale, you know. I mean, uh, although I've got to say, I've got to admit that, that over the years, as I've been um, chauffeur for a certain group of people in the back of a big car I used to drive around, uh, there were quite a few bad losers in the back of there. I can tell you. Um, <laughs> sometimes used to get me into serious bother when I was driving because they wanted to be away because we're lost. So, <laughs> um, but no, I hope. I, I, if the people on the bench get like that, what what does that do in the dressing room? It must filter back. Um, so yeah, you know, absolutely refreshing. The word you was used, now I would I would agree. And um, we're lucky to have a pair like that that work together. Yeah, I mean, he, he did talk about uh, you know Unai Emery's failure to shake his hand, and he says some people handle defeat differently. He says from my perspective. Uh, you know, win, lose, or draw. I always like to, you know, to, to shake the manager's hand and uh, and shake the opposing coach's hand. He says so. You know, he says he he handles it differently, and that's just you know, that's it. He says, but he says I'm not going to change the way I am. He says, why should I change what the way I am? He says that's yeah, just me. Absolutely. Um, and and, I, and I, it was it was it was refreshing, and I, I was pleased that the press used today as an opportunity to get inside. Tyndall and, and to find out a little bit more about him, Mitch, because we've, you know, we've, he's, he's affectionately christened Mad Dog. He was talking about it today. 
Um, you know, and he goes, I can't, I can't change what people are going to say about me. He referenced social media a few times as well. I, I presume he keeps a check on social media. Certainly, certainly people send things to him. But, um, you know, he, he, you know, he hasn't got a big head. Um, which which I found refreshing as well. You know, he's not he's not arrogant, and and like your dad's just said, very very, I I, I would say a good partnership. You can see how they well work work well together. I would say they're very like Eddie Howe, uh, Eddie Howe and Tindall are very like Clough and Taylor. Um, I think that's probably the best comparison you could make. Um, what I found great about Tindall today was he didn't duck any of the questions because he could have. Um, he didn't back away from him, but nor was he going out of his way to be confrontational or outrageous in his answers because he could have done that. He could have put the mad dog front on and, and gone at people and, and, and made it aggressive and made it confrontational. And he didn't. He was honest, he was straightforward, he was matter of fact, um, absolutely down the line. Um, and I, I, even when they're saying, you know, do, do, is it on your mind to get up the nose of people? And he's no, not at all. I'm just going to be me. <laughs> but also that strength of character to turn around and say, what well, I am just going to be me, and I'm not going to change that, and I'm not apologetic for that. There's a very big difference from someone who's being overtly confrontational with answers and somebody who has a strength of character and is being honest. Um, and I think that's something you know, you, you hear people that's in the this season about Postacoglu at Spurs, and what people seem to like about him is he comes across as honest and not being deliberately confrontational, but he won't take any shit. I think uh, Tyndall did that in an even better way today, uh, and I was really impressed with how he handled himself. And, and if I was Eddie, I would use certain opportunities perhaps in the future. To say to, to Tindall, do you want to do the press that today? Because I think it did give you a, a slightly different insight into the mechanics and the dressing room at Newcastle United. Um, and that's the kind of thing, you know, as a fan base, we love stuff like that. Yeah, we certainly do. Good to see him uh, in front of the cameras, and I'm sure we'll see him again. Uh, from my perspective, I just, you know, I thought it was refreshing. But uh, I will do the press conference review so you can listen to it tomorrow. Uh, just a quick pointer as well. We've got uh, thanks to uh, thanks to Mitch San Diego Mags um, Simon from San Diego Mags has uh, done a, uh, a show, it's a half an hour show. Just introduces you to the fan bases around the world, and uh, we've got a, a good half an hour chat with him. So I'm going to put that up for you tomorrow morning uh, to watch as well. So two two half hour shows. Uh, tomorrow um, and then the professionals uh, will be at its usual time on Sunday night uh, of six o'clock. I know we've got lots of questions coming in and lots of uh, lots of people asking about the transfer window. So we'll we'll do the last 10 minutes of the first half talking about that. Mighty Wynn said, what do you think of Ndweni going to Annan Athletic? Uh, Chris Jagger saying, how long do you think it will be before Harrison uh, will be in the first team at Newcastle United. Uh, just to just so you're updated, Isaac Hayden. Um, he's joined QPR on loan for the rest of the season after his uh, uh, um, loan move to Belgium side Standard Liège was cut short. Um, Josh Scott, uh, the 21-year-old reserve midfielder and academy product, well, he's made a permanent move to Scottish Championship side Queen's Park. Um, and Jay Turner-Cook. 
Um, well, he's had his uh, short uh, season-long loan to Scottish side St Johnston cut short, and he's now back on Tyneside. So he'd only made one brief substitute appearance. I guess my 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 thoughts on on the on the loan situation, Steve, is what's Shola doing, and what what what's Shola's CV for this kind of job? Is is that is it maybe time to refresh this this position? Um, again, it's something I brought up on the on the breakfast show this morning, but. You know, look, I, I wasn't really a Chola fan as a player. Um, the Mackham Slayer image was great. I mean, he, you know, he did very well in the local derbies, which, of course, is going to give you some iconic status, and and rightly so. And he was a servant of the club, a good servant of the club. But for me, for me personally, I, I always felt this was a bit of a jobs for the boys kind of title for Chola. He'd been very good behind the scenes, very supportive of some of the, you know, some of the stuff behind the scenes, you know, and, uh, you know, a, a, a good... A good ambassador, public face, if you like, but to be given a, a loans manager's job, I, I find like a loan, a loan arranger, if you like, is it's not. I I don't even know why they have to do this. Why isn't this the manager's job, or why isn't this Dan Ashworth's job? I always find it, I always find it really strange. What what's your thoughts on this? Because Jay Turner Cook, short his loan, his loans cut short. One good appearance. Isaac Hayden's loan deal, at standard age, doesn't work out. You know, something something's not quite right. Yep, absolutely, Steve. I mean, anyone who follows nufc.com, and that's the best place to to look to see how the the loanees, because he all like if I always puts a little thing up, and um, the loanees this week how they've got on, etc. And the number of times you see, you know, got on in the seventy first minute, uh, got on in the eighty third minute, didn't get, didn't you know, unused sub, and these are lads that have been lent to clubs. Um, that where they're, they're supposed to have the talent to be able to break in and, and basically hold their own and beyond. Um, you know, Scottish Premier League, um, Scottish Championship, uh, Division Two. Um, we've now got we've now got Dylan Stevenson playing in is it, for for Blythe for uh, South Shields. Um, you know, um, the lads aren't don't seem to be getting the run. That, that that we anticipated the would or the club would have anticipated the do for, for some reason I don't know what it is. Um, I mean there was a, there was a time where we lent under Ashley and it's obviously a commercial thing. We lent three players to Glasgow Rangers if you meant it, if you remember and they didn't even get a look in. It was as though that was arranged uh, in a pub somewhere, you know, between between uh, the 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 powers that be rather than the at some a situation that came out of the well-being of those players. But in, in the Shola one, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a strange role, the, the loan arranger, you know, someone to, to manage players when they when they move over to another club. Um, the lads, I, I, I just don't see... I mean, on the on the flip side, we had Lewis Miley, who everybody who said would probably at the start of the season probably go out on loan. And he didn't. They said they would rather he stayed here, not because he was going to be playing in the first team, but because they felt he would be better in the family environment than being left on his own up in Scotland somewhere or over in Blackpool, um, you know, or wherever. Um, so in that situation, we kept Lewis. And next thing you know, he's in the first team and he's got a nice, had a nice little run. He's, he's, his stock level has risen through the roof. He's got a contract, um, you know, that's probably, what, 100 times more than he was on. Um, 
it and 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 he's been talking about as like you know the the next big thing along with certain players at Liverpool and certain players at Man United and Chelsea get talked about regularly. The press have picked up on it. The TV guys have picked up on it. What a performance the lad's putting in. Now, where would Lewis Miley have been if he'd gone on loan? He'd have been winging his way back yeah. <laughs> along yeah. with Jay Turner Cook, you know, after one appearance. That's where they would have been. So you've got a question. Um, how many how many players have we lost from our academy because they just have been dumped, forgotten about, or given to a club and the promises that the player would get game time just haven't materialized? You've also got a question whether whether or not in the player's head. The players that do go on loan feel as though they're being cast aside, they're being cast adrift. Um, that's that once you go on loan, does that mean you, your days are numbered? Because you've got you've got the likes of Kel Watts and people like that, you know, who seem to have been on loan for like four seasons now, you know. Um, and then the strange situation where we've got a, a defensive uh, midfield hole, um, only three central midfielders in the club. And Eddie still doesn't want to take uh, and keep Isaac Hayden, and and we, and we move him out on loan to to QPR. So I think there's a there's a there's all sorts of little dynamics going on within the club at the moment. Um, with that, um, no reason for it. But you've got you've got a question: How many of our players who have gone on loan have come back and then broken into the first team, or have been sold? And we've got either decent money from or they've gone on to have a decent career at a high level. Majority of them just drift away and they end up sometimes completely out of the game. And I think that's extremely disappointing. It doesn't do much either, Steve, for the youngsters in the academy. Because at the moment, we'll have youngsters thinking they could be the next Lewis Miley when, in effect, they're not. They're going to be the next Jay Turner Cook Um or the next Calend Watson, they're not going to see their parents for months on end because they're going to be stuck down in Lincoln or Portsmouth or Plymouth or somewhere like that, you know. Um, very, very difficult situation. And I, 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 I've got a question, and I will continue to question what we actually do with these with these lads and whether it is the best thing. And how often does Shola trip down? How often does he trip up to Scotland or trip down to see the lads, chat to them, find out what's going on, or does it all get done by... Um, Zoom calls and this type of thing. I, I I just don't know. Mentally, I think players wants to wants to go out alone, especially the way that they're cosseted um, at the club when they're here. They must walk away shot, and I think some of them will find it very very difficult coming back. George, the loan system. What's your thoughts? Well, I mean, I had a lot to say about it in, in the middle of the week, and there's there's an area in the club which it's not even middle management that. Um, that our owners seem to, to miss a trick. Um, they really need to surround some of these jobs if they're going to have them, with not just with players who've been nice lads. Good. Shola's appointment looks like the teacher appointing the, uh, the teacher's pet, giving them a, giving them the the milk monitor's job. That's what it looks like to me. And that it, it needs more than that. It, it needs somebody with hard football now, uh, and you might have to pay. For, for somebody a little more than you might want to, but you get you get the right the right attitude in that, and it it'll, it will do you good. Look at Elliot Anderson. Now there's the last player for me that uh, got positive came positive off loan. It wasn't because of anybody at Newcastle United. 
because they were Joey Barton. Joey Barton was telling the world he had the neck, he had the Jordy Maradona in his team. You know, what I mean, yeah. And and you, you every time you opened the paper, look at the television if Bristol were on, it was it was Joey saying, "Look at this kid." And he and he, you know, he, he clearly he clearly adored the kid, and and uh, give him every chance he he, he wanted. Um, I can't see that happening with any of the others. Kel Watts, now I was looking forward to him being with, with, with centre-back uh, for the next five-plus years. He was so good. And he just seems to have either stood still or gone backwards. Um, and some of the other kids as well uh, that, that have disappeared. At, it, it, uh, at the universities, I've said before, one or two of our lads who, who follow the, 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 the younger teams, and some of the names that they um, chant about, they get on the bench a couple of times and then they just disappear. And, they, and these lads are saying, well, what happened to them? What happened to them? And, and so I think uh, if it's going to be a loan manager, um, if, if that's a sustainable job, then they really need to think, think seriously about who it would be and what sort of pedigree they have, never mind what the kids have. Uh, because... Um, uh, I'd, I'd see little in the press about, uh, as Steve has already said, about Shola going here and then, watching these kids playing and talking to the clubs and all the rest of it. Um, Hayden's uh, thing at Standard Liège, should should the player actually be left to fight with his, with his loan club to get his money and that sort of thing? You know, somebody should be knocking on their door and saying, hey, you know, we're, we're giving you the money, get 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 it in the kids' bank, that sort of thing. Um, I, can't, I couldn't see Shola doing that sort of thing. So, um, and it, and it uh, does mystify me, and I think uh, John Justice said it before on the strap, um, what Isaac Hayden's done uh, to not, not be in, in, in this group. I mean, it's not, not too many years ago that, that Rafa was touting Isaac Hayden, Hayden as an England player. Unless I'm mistaken, he was really. That's how good he thought he was. Well, that doesn't disappear overnight. What's 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 happened? And and uh, so yeah, yeah, you've hit a good one, Steve, in my view. That uh, there's um, players going and, and and coming back, and and you cannot see the value. And as I say, the, the only one in recent years that I can remember who got any value out of his loan was Elliot Anderson, and it weren't out to do with anybody here. It was more to do with Joey Barton singing his praises in Bristol. So, um, yeah, we, it needs a look at because there's not that job. There's, there's two or three other jobs which which seem to be on the go um, that need a hard-nosed football person in, in not just a nice lad. We need, you know, needs, yeah. he need, needs a real professional approach and, uh, and our owners seem to be missing that trick at the moment in one or two places that... Uh, they could do with a bit of a football education from somebody. Um, and there's plenty of them around. Plenty of them around. Yeah, but Bobby Clark's another example, Steve, isn't he? I mean, yeah. there's, there's a lad whose father was a professional footballer. Uh, eats, sleeps and drinks. Wears black and white through and through. And and yet he encourages his son to to go away and, and, and sign for Liverpool because he feels though he's not going to develop in Newcastle. Did he feel as though he wasn't going to develop because at some point in time they were going to send him up on loan to Anon Athletic? Was that, yeah. you know, that's the sort of, you, you, we don't yeah. know, but th th there's every possibility that that's where he thought his youngster's uh, career could be heading. 
and he, he felt as though he, he you know that the, the slad was far too good for that so you know before he knew it he he, he wanted him away and uh, i think that's a that's a, a terrible indictment on on our academy system if that's the case and also you, you've got a question if if you know it, it was potentially it was going to be out on loan you'd question the way that we manage loans as well yeah mitch Quite a bit of impact. I am going to try and download a few things. The, the in, interesting thing about Hayden, by the way, is the owners of Standard Rears Art 777 players who are busy loaning Everton lots and lots of money and trying to get their hands on Everton. So that bodes well for them, doesn't it? If they're not paying their wages on time for that small stuff. But, um, I think the whole loan system and what's going on with, um, with our academy players. I think strikes at something deeper that we've talked about for probably three or four years in terms of lack of pastoral care for some of those players. How do we get the best out of them as a person? We're treating a young footballer, not just a, um, you know, the, 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 we're treating the person on the end, not just the footballer. So doesn't when he need to go off there and an athletic to learn how to wash his own skid marks out of his pants and not set the, fire, the house on fire with a chip pan, you know? Is, is that what he needs to be a more complete person and come back a more complete uh, player? Or does he need to learn how to take a tackle and get kicked up the arse by some hairy Scottish centre-back for 90 minutes and learn how to deal with it and toughen them up? Um, a lot of these loans just don't seem strategic to me. They seem quite haphazard that they just sort of happen um, without any long-term goal. I'm quite sure all the, 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 the coaches know the players who've got the ability to go on to do more and players who are levelling out and hitting their buffers. If they don't, we've got a serious problem in our academy. Yeah. Um, but it does seem to be there's a lot of... Um, scattergun approach to it and if it works it works like uh, anderson did and if it doesn't it doesn't like who are going to hearts um, and there doesn't seem to be much of an interest afterwards as to why you know and, and and off you go on another loan and let's see if this one works it all seems very finger in the wind and picking the phone up the people you know um i'm wondering who's the contact with an an athletic that's sure and who's for example you know um, and I think you're very right. I, mean, I think both Steve and my dad have made a good point in that. Um, I love Charlotte a bit as a person, and, and, and he's an interesting guy to spend some time with. Um, loves the Castle United, there's no doubt about that. Um, but the time for having people like that in positions in the Castle United is gone. We need the best of the best. Um, the, the only set of loans I can think in certainly my recent football industry, it's not that recent anymore, because if you look at what Ferguson and Man United did with the so-called class of 92, they all have very good loans the season before they burst onto that, that, that season where he was going to win nothing with kids. And they had all had at least a season, if not a season and a half, at places like Preston and Bury, all local to Manchester, but playing it, it uh, you know, at different levels in the in the pyramid, um, and they came back more complete footballers, and then he was able to drop them straight into that team, and the rest is history. Um, now I don't pretend to know enough about Man United as to who came up with that and who managed that, 
but that's exactly the kind of blueprint we should be looking at doing for our uh, academy players instead of being seemingly scattergun and almost like as both have said players disappear out on loan and then some of them may think well that's me doing then what they should be going out and loan is saying hey i can come back now and i can do what elliot anderson did and there doesn't seem enough of that happening there doesn't seem enough of that happening happening with any kind of planned strategy it just seems like we're just going to toss everything to the wind and see where it lands yeah, now now Man United just lend seventy five million pound players to, to overseas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and get rid of their problems on the other, yeah. other teams overseas, <laughs> and uh, air their dirty laundry in public, and then that makes makes players leave as well. <laughs> Classic. All right, it's uh, ten past six. Uh, time for the ads. A big thanks to all our sponsors. Skips and bins. Telephone 0800 2545 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Thanks again to Mr. Vicky Sources, handmade in Cumbria. If you'd like to order some, then give them a call on 01768 210102. Go to their website, mrvickies.co.uk, or drop them an email info at mrvickies.co.uk. A big thanks to United Group Travel. They're a family firm based in Morpeth with pickups throughout the Northeast. No strangers on our tours, just people you haven't met yet. They've got a presence on Facebook and a website, unitedgrouptravel.com. If you want to make a booking, give them a call on 01670-632-460 or mobiles 0791-666-4174. Nine five seven one four one six five four. Thanks to Darren Baldwin Funerals, independent funeral directors. Let us look after you in your time of need. They're based on Old Durham Road in Gateshead, and you can contact them at their website, darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk. Email darren at darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk or give them a call, 0191 478. 2730. A big thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the technical side of things. And a big thanks to New Workwear. You can find them at newworkwear.com. If you want to help the channel, hit the thumb up to subscribe, hit the subscribe button, and share to your other social media. You can also pay a one off fee of £25 to get a scarf, a cup, a pen, and a membership card. Go to the website, nufcmatters.com. And click membership or put your smartphone over this QR code. We also support the food bank on this channel. If you want to make some donations virtually, go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and make a donation today. We're also a podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and other podcast providers. Just search NUFC Matters. I'm also a part of the Northeast Footy Brecky Show. You can listen to that Monday to Friday, 7 or 9 at thetooneuk.com.
And if you haven't joined in the fun on a morning, uh, please do. Uh, the audience has grown week by week. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed doing it. Uh, we're uh, 100 shows in now. Um, unbelievable, that, uh, when you think about where it started. But, uh, yeah, the station has grown and grown. Good banter. Uh, if you like a bit of northeast football, Newcastle, Sunderland and Middlesbrough, um, yeah, it, it, it is a good laugh. And uh, if you like to come to the, the pre-matches uh, with Gibbo, Gibbo's got a new home for the final eight home games of the season. Uh, you can catch John Gibson and John Anderson tomorrow afternoon. Free entry, kids welcome. Uh, and that'll be uh, from about half past 12 onwards in the concert room. A uh, bit of pre-match music as well. Oasis, the Jam, Madness, the Buzzcocks, the Stone Roses and Andrew and Gibbo giving you their pre-match predictions. So free entry, get yourself to the Irish uh, Tangside Irish Centre tomorrow. Uh, just short of Gallagher. Uh, always well worth popping in there pre-match. And uh, it'll be also good to hear John and uh, Gibbo's views. Okay, lots of questions uh, coming in from uh, lots of people. I've uh, got to be selective which one I can pick because we can all talk uh, a glass eye to sleep. Um, the, the fight has been cut. Those who are tuning in as well, Fury and Uzik is off. The cut on uh, uh, Fury's eye is, is going to delay uh, matters. It's postponed. It's not off, but we will wait and see. James Slater says, question for the guys. Why are we not establishing partnerships with clubs overseas for a feeder system like City have within the City group? That way, we've got a clear pathway from the start to the first 11. Um, Steve, Rome wasn't built in a day. Is that yeah. um, Am I right with that? Is that the way to answer that, do you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Steve. But I, I don't think City's feeder clubs lend players to each other either, you know, and City's feeder clubs are, are spread far and wide. I think they're more of a... They're more of a, of a, of a scouting network in a way. Um, you know, that... It gives them the ability to have a presence here in South America, um, where they get the best of young South American talent, um, and obviously the competition for South American talent is phenomenal. Um, and then you know some of the some of the, the they've done exactly the same in India, they've, they've Australia. Um, I think it's more of a, a, a business thing, um, and it's an opportunity sometimes for. Um, business ideas to be to be spread understanding the way that football adapts in the world it gives them a presence in fifa it gives them a presence in uefa i think there's a lot more to cities tie up that is to do with politics than anything else um rather than specifically football um i can't recall many players for example coming from new york city to to play um there's probably a few players whose careers have been over at man city that have gone to play there, maybe some youngsters who's who decided on aren't going to fit in and have have headed down that path. But again, that's a that's a difficult road to take because of the way that the American system operates. Um, so I think it's more strategic than anything else and and political. Um, we we, we look at I mean other clubs have done it for years. City have have taken it to the to the next level, but Man United always had. Links with uh, clubs in Belgium. Chelsea always had right under Abramovich links with clubs in in Belgium. Um, we've dabbled in it at times, but we seem to have links with clubs in like the Scottish Championship. Um, there was an interesting development uh, that I read earlier in the week that, that I had been following um, from afar, which was the link that Burnley have got with Dundee. Um, they have set up a strategic alliance if you like but no money exchanged basically just sharing ideas understanding each other's markets understanding where um advice can be gleaned and given um 
business-wise and and everything. And I thought that was quite interesting because that was an American owner at Burnley who's only been in the game for three seasons um, looking afar, but looking to a club that's been established in the Scottish Premier League for a hundred and odd years and, and basically learning a little bit about football, not just in the Premier League and in the Championship. Expanding these horizons, um, and who knows, it may end up in a in a partnership. But uh, I think everybody at the moment with Newcastle is just wrapped up with what what kind of partnership we're going to have with Saudi Arabia and, and clubs there because of PIF. Um, and I, I think that I'd be amazed if we if we ended up loaning players to either of those clubs uh, that that are owned by uh, PIF. Uh, and 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 vice versa. Um, I think there's probably more chance of tie-ups with the ladies' teams, and uh, looking for you know giving opportunities to the to the, some of the some of the girls over in Saudi Arabia to come over here and and learn a little bit about about how the you know football development for women is, and the Saudis are pushing women's football just as much as men's football, and as we're growing our ladies' team with. With some of the players that they've recently signed, I think that you know that there's there's more scope for for link ups that way than there, than there will be in our first team. To be perfectly honest, because the the standard and quality is like, so much different, but it'll not be that much different at the level that the girls are playing at the moment. Um, and it'll be great opportunities for some of the uh, some of the girls in Saudi Arabia uh, to get an experience of you know cold winters in Newcastle and and travelling around and, and playing on pitches that they've probably never experienced before. Um, but, you know, the quality of women's football is only going to get better at Newcastle um, and it's also going to get better and better in Saudi as well. It, it's it's horses for courses, if you like. Mm. I mean, the, the, at the end of the day, George, the, the, the women's team are doing very well considering where they were 10 years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I hope there's some of the the Saudi Newcastle haters, journal, journalists out there watching and listening to what Steve Hastie's just said. How dare Steve Hastie say that women in Saudi Arabia are allowed to play football <laughs> and allowed to come here? How dare they? It's 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 a horrible place. What what on earth are they doing letting women play football? Um, you know, it just gets my goat and it it, it spills still spills out on the television time and again. Uh, that match against Fulham the other night is still. still Stuck here with me, I've got to say, with Lee Dixon and some of the others, but never mind. Um, yeah, it, it, there's some great um, link-ups by some clubs. And I've got to say, I, one thing that uh, slightly disappoints me, that we've we've always had good links-ups with, with some of the top Scottish clubs. Um, Aberdeen, Dundee, um, uh, and some of, the, some of the slightly lesser ones, like uh, um, Bucky Thistle and people like that, where... Um, we've got lots of players over the years, and uh, also I can hear listening one of my years. There's an old guy who, who I used to go to the matches with um, when this used to happen, and we had uh, Newcastle's first team, we had a central league team, we had an A team, we had a B team, uh, all being serviced. And uh, one of my father's pet things to get onto was why don't they lend them the gates in? Why don't yeah, yeah. They let, why don't they let Gates have some of these lads instead of they send them out into the northern alliance and the northern accommodation for somebody up at Linton Colliery to kick them to bloody death? You know they may as well get kicked to death playing for Gates and that, 
they were taught that's six sixty plus years ago, you know. And so it, it would nice it, these relationships take some building. You're right, Rome can't be built in a day, Steve. But we we don't have to look hundreds, thousands of miles away. I'm sure that there's there's a there's a enough still enough good um, clubs not too far away that we could develop that relationship for the benefit of them and, and the benefit of our players. But there is a there is a sad um, lack of uh, of that sort of thing with us, and uh, I'm, you know, confident that with uh, with uh, the um, uh, the back the backing that they've got and and how they're progressing, that uh, this is something that uh, the owners will do. But it but it's not going to happen like yesterday, and uh, I'm sure they've they've looked at the Manchester City model. I, I can't believe they wouldn't uh, look at things like that. That's already in place. And uh, have have done quite a bit, but uh, yeah, I mean, somebody's saying about strong like the hearts, yes, and 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 the other side of Edinburgh as well with Hibs as well. Um, you know that they've both supplied lots of players uh, in in very um, you know in very uh, good good conditions for both both the club, the selling club, and for us. So yeah, I would I would like to see some better relationships, but uh, if. Uh, you know the number of clubs in, within within our purview. Um, I think Steve's right again. It, it's not going to happen just with clubs in Saudi Arabia. It's got to be got to be wider than that, and and uh, needs to go uh, um, uh, to to benefit of both clubs, all all the clubs involved. But it it would be a good system, and it, it might save, <laughs> ironically, some of the things we've just been talking about loans. <laughs> you know, it might it might it might actually make make. Um, the the loan system that we've got or we haven't got um more sustainable that than and more transparent as to, as to what's going on so yeah i, I mean i'm sure they'll, they'll develop it but yeah right it's it's not going to happen overnight yeah. um it's uh it but it's it's needed there's no question about it it's needed if uh, if they're going to um have a system where people can uh, come and go on a, on a um professional basis rather than a haphazard basis because that's what it looks like at the moment you just say steve before we move on you're just talking about the women's team let's let's roll it back to 2011 2012 when the 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 parents of the of the girls who were working and playing in, in newcastle ladies at the time came to us at fans united and asked if we could do anything to help with the publicity yeah. Um, yeah. the club what were club were running away it, 2012 virgin money biggest one of the biggest Banks at the time in the UK um, wouldn't let the girls wear virgin money across the front of the shirts, the sponsorship, yeah. you know, hang their head in shame now. That company would probably have been crawling all over uh, the women's football if they could get away with it. Um, and it just goes to show, um, I think it was Wonga who eventually allowed the girls to wear their shirts. Um, but you know, it's, it's only 10, 10, 11 years ago that this was going on. And... Uh, there, there were there were there were various other people out there who didn't really give the girls the support that 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 they that, were, that was needed at the at that particular time. Colin Locke and his family were desperate for for just getting the publicity and getting the word out there that the girls were were trying to play football and scrambling around. And you know, it's, I suppose it's testimony to Amanda and me and Dad that they've embraced the women's football, but they've embraced it at a time when. It, there's a, it, in my eyes, is it there was some dangerous precedents nearly set a couple of months ago when it looked as though the women's team would would not, if they didn't get into the into the championship, would not 
be able to qualify for the Women's Super League because they were going to turn the Women's Super League into a closed shop. It was only this week they announced that the Women's Super League will not be a closed shop now and there will be promotion and relegation from the Championship. Yeah. So it's vital yeah. that the girls' team get promoted this season into the, into the Championship because the way that the, the, the WSL is going to be moving forward is that it's going to end up like the Premier League. It's going to come out of the... the uh, the responsibility of the FA who have turned their back on it because they don't want to put the money in and they're gonna they're gonna allow it to go to the to the the free market if you like. Um so it's gonna be interesting to see how the women's league uh grow over the next sort of ten years when we're talking about the way it was ten years ago. Mm. To play devil's advocate, are we sure the lack of successful loans out is a tune problem? Chelsea, Man City, Brighton seem to do okay. Beyond them, could it be the Premier League money generational issue, Mitch? Mm-hmm. Well, that actually fits quite nicely with some of my thoughts in terms of if you think of many of the clubs that have got multi-club models, Crystal Palace, um, Nottingham Forest, uh, you know, if you look at all of the, the clubs who've got links and um, shared ownerships, there's not many of them seem to be using the loan system to their advantage at all. Um, now, how much of that is having the stuff and knocked out with, with FFP? coming down hard on transfers between the two or three clubs, I don't know. But certainly it's, it, it isn't just us. And, you know, it, I think um, it's something that seem, does seem to be a, a bigger issue within football at the minute. I'm not really that sure about where, um, where things need to be changed for clubs to be able to exercise those benefits well. City certainly aren't doing it. And certainly not to the extent that they, they tried to in the first instance. Um, so whether we've got like um, a bigger issue in football because people are wary because of other things going on, um, be it financially or otherwise, I don't know. But I know I would agree it's not just our problem. Yeah. Okay, uh, we are flying through tonight. God, this uh, this show has, has flown over. Um, a, a lookalike suggestion. Uh, David Dickinson, I think, is what uh, you mean, Chippers. And uh, Donald's just jumped on that as well. Uh, yeah, get you know what to do, Chippers. Send it in, mate, and uh, we will uh, feature it on next week. <laughs> we will feature it on next week's show because uh, we're full up with uh, we're lookalikes this week, and not many dogs. You see, look, Keith's gone. We don't need to, we don't need to hear his laugh. Uh, so yeah. th- th- these lookalikes are definitely getting better. A financial one first, and uh, when you spot the bloke of a fiver down the pub. <laughs> See, I told you they were good. Noddy Holder, Pitch Invader at um, West Bromwich Albion, uh, Wolves. Couldn't believe that. Yeah, very, uh, very like There's a few lookalikes on there, some which I chose not to show. Um, <laughs> and Alan McKenzie, lookalikes, Lord Ralph Mayhew and Ted from the Fast Show, the Reform yes. Party. Gee whiz, yeah. Very good. Enjoy your holiday, Alan and Moza. Uh, back in the sun uh, again. I hope you have a great time. Uh, Mullins from Wrexham and Higginbottom. <laughs> yeah. Not bad. Not bad at all. And uh, Stephen Lichsteiner and Lee Evans. <laughs> good that. Good hour with some good ones this week. Sydney yeah. Bernstein from Beverly Hills Cop and Roberto Firmino. <laughs> Thanks, Tom, for your uh, weekly input. 
Steve Hasty on a place in the sun. <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah. Great. Miggy Almiron, a man on the moon. <laughs> if you look very close, you're right in the middle. It's got like, it does look yeah. like Miggy's face. I, well, I think that's anything with a big smile is going to look like Miggy. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a good point, George. And uh, Alexander Rizak, uh, well, he wasn't wasting his time when he went off the pitch last week. <laughs> Peachy said he spoke to him at half time. He's not too serious, but a bit cold, hence the hat and jacket. Very, it's a very good likeness when you zoom in on that, by the way. And uh, this one is Keith from Lee, Keith Patterson, <laughs> with his head off. Love me. And Harvey Barnes, by the time his foot injuries recovered. Oh, wow. God. Jurgen Klopp. Uh, standing on the cup. <laughs> and here's Iggy Pop and his lookalike. Wow. <laughs> Look at the state of that. And Liverpool's last working man calls it a day. I had to squeeze that one in. I'd forgotten about that in the uh, tweets, lads, but that was a good one. <laughs> um, This one as well. Uh, Henrik Mikatarin and Klingert from MASH. Very good. Yeah, very good. And Jurgen Klopp on his way to Leeds to watch Plymouth. <laughs> Excellent. That is, that is spot on, that. It is an old. Steve Hasty spotted on an old uh, 70s video. God. Dear, I haven't even got a combine harvester. And uh, this is a good one from Steve Hasty. Shea Gibbon. And who's that guy? That is uh, Hewitt, the tennis player, Australian yeah. tennis player. Yeah. Pretty, pretty pretty good, and that's supposed good. to be a statue of him. Wow, it's nearly <laughs> as bad as the Ronaldo one. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty good, Steve. It made yeah, the top. It made, it made the top ten. This one's always going to get. Um, this one's always going to be, you know, popular. Stu Penman and Uncle Fester. Oh, that's true. Cruel, <laughs> cruel. <laughs> See if you do like that. It's almost as if I'm not switching the picture. Absolutely. I'll see him on Sunday. Uh and yeah, this this again, brilliant, isn't it? John Pierre Bakri and Michael Ironside, Sandra Bullock and uh Famk Janssen and Garrett Dillahunt and Peter Krause. Wow. I love the way that they are done. Like, there's a lot of yeah. work and effort goes into them, Absolutely. but they are brilliant. Well, I might not there. know who half of these people are, um, but and they've got difficult pronunciations of names, but they do match the lookalike idea. Um, I saw a politician interviewed this uh, this week on uh, Good Morning Britain, and it just it just I thought it was Bob Geldof. <laughs> Bob Geldof, young Una Stubbs. <laughs> that's excellent, isn't it? That really is. I mean, that is, and I'm blowing my own trumpet there. There's been a lot on been a lot on social media. Saying why the hell didn't she get her hair done? <laughs> what, what a clip. The top three, uh, it had to have an Aston, uh, an Aston Villa connotation this week. So coming in at number three, the Count and uh, another Muppet. <laughs> oh, Good, Good evening. Good evening. Brilliant. And number two. Yeah. We're reading. Brilliant. Very like him. Very like him. But the winner... Uh, and I've seen this one before, but I, I just loved it. It made it. It's, if it makes us laugh, it, it's got a good chance of being the winner. And it's this one. 
Thanks, Darren. <laughs> yes. Using the Facebook page, and, and that is still one of my most favourite lookalikes. And that, it's yeah. almost as if Danny DeVito is actually looking at the picture of the kid. It um, is. Um, but that's brilliant. Darren, thanks for sending that in. If you want to send us a lookalike, send them to us on Twitter uh, or use the Facebook group and use the Facebook page. We do, I do go on there. I do find them. Uh, but thanks for uh, all of that. And um, we will uh, endeavor to show as many of them as I can. We've already got a few coming in for next week already, including Chip as his, uh, uh, David Dickinson, Steve Hasty one, which we will keep for next week. Uh, but that is your lookalikes uh, for this week. Okay, Newcastle United back in Premier League action tomorrow. And uh, great news. It is a three o'clock kickoff. It is uh, not live on television. Um, and it is a sellout, as you would expect. 3,188 tickets uh, taken up by Luton because this is their first Premier League visit to St. James Park. Uh, so it's a historic day for the Hatters. Uh, following losses to Notts Forest and Man City, Newcastle, of course, are bidding to avoid a trio of successive Premier League home defeats for the first time since 2021. Ipswich have failed to win any of their last 14 games at St James's Park since a 2-0 FA Cup success in 73. Uh, and in the league, Luton have left St James's Park with maximum points just once in 23 visits. And that was in September 1937. Team news, we don't know. Um, as always, we don't know. Jason Tindall gave very little away. Learned from the master, uh, Eddie Howe. Uh, we know that Alexander Rizak, Callum Wilson, Harvey Barnes and Joe Willock could be or may not be involved. Uh, Nick Pope, Joe Linton, Matt Target, Elliot Anderson and Sandro Tonali, of course, all remain available. Daki Hashioka um, completed his transfer from Belgian side St. Trioden on Tuesday. He's a Japanese international. And he potentially could make his debut at St. James's Park in the match tomorrow. Uh, referee is Tom Brammel, second game in charge of a Newcastle fixture. Last one was the 2 0 win over Burnley at St. James's Park. And Michael Salisbury is on VAR. As I've said, no TV coverage, but you can listen to it on BBC Radio Newcastle and, of course, get updates on Radio 5 Live. So. Um, big game because it's one next one, chaps. And uh, as always, uh, before I get your uh, opinions, your views, we will listen to Stato. Hello, amigos. Some stats before the game against Luton tomorrow. After two consecutive defeats in a row at St. James's Park, we're looking to avoid a third straight defeat at St. James's. What would be the first time we do this since 2021 under Steve Bruce? When it comes to our home form against Luton, though, the last game at St. James's Park was back in 1992 in the then first division under Kevin Keegan. We won 2-0. And actually, our last league defeat against Luton at St. James's Park is back in 1937, also the last time L Luton did the double over Newcastle in the league. When it comes to the old cup and competitions, Luton won in 1973 at St. James's Park in the FA Cup. Still their last win here for more than 50 years. Since then, 21 games at St. James's Park, 16 wins for Newcastle and 5 draws. When it comes 
to f- games with a 3 p.m. kickoff on a Saturday. Eddie Howe has never lost a game at St. James's Park since he stepped in charge. And this season, on its own, we have four wins out of four games with a very impressive goal, goal difference of 14-1. to 1. When it comes to Luton, Luton's form, though, they have won three out of their last five games, which is more than they did in their first 16 games of the season when they won only two. Also, they averaged two goals per game in their last five games versus only one goal per game in their first 16. So they are a team in form right now. Also, when it comes to games for Newcastle against newly promoted sides, only one defeat in the last 17. But this came in December against Luton, also on a Saturday 3 p.m. kickoff. So let's see what the guys will do tomorrow. We need a win to turn our season back on track and we should get it. Cheers. Yeah, somebody just said in the chat, God, I thought the Toon Stato was naked. Uh, yeah, I've got, to be honest. I've got to be honest, I had to look twice when I saw the video, but uh, thankfully, no, he had a, a very nice uh, autumn-style jumper on. So thank you once again, Toon Stato, for uh, that, Andre. Um, big uh, big love to you and all the Bulgarian supporters. So, yeah, Steve, um, big game. Uh, you know, Toon Stato mentioned there that... Uh, you know, Luton have hit form. They certainly have. And I mean, Newcastle were part of the run that they put together because uh, we, we came a cropper down at uh, at their place. But um, Jason Tindall was quick to point out today as well that our confidence is high also. Um, Newcastle have, uh, you know, beaten the jinx to an, an extent. Couldn't win a, an away game for love no money. Um, we've just beaten Fulham 2-0, Sunderland 3-0, Aston Villa 3-1 uh, away from home. Um, and... We are getting players back as well. And we don't have the distraction of midweek fixtures with, you know, with, with European football now. And, you know, a point that was made by Eddie Howe last week, a point that was made by Darren Tindall today, um, you know, the lads are training together again and they can implement what they need to implement and it's working well. Um, it just seems that now is a time for Newcastle to, you know, to probably kick on. And the fact that the teams above us haven't, haven't really taken advantage of our, you know, our bad luck um, means that we are still, you know, within touching distance of a European spot. Absolutely, Steve. And you know what? We've had, we've had some stormy weather over the last month physically, but I think as far as Newcastle Knight is concerned and Eddie, I think we've weathered the storm now. I think we've, I think on the pitch, we've, we've, we've pulled it back together. Um, I thought that, Tuesday night, I thought Eddie's game management was absolutely spot on. I thought the way that he handled the substitution of Miley just at the right time, um, the lad could have been swamped. Um, he was. I I did message some of the guys and said I think Miley needs to be substituted simply because I thought the game was starting to pass him by, and I didn't want I didn't want a Rick that was then going to fall on his shoulders, you know, um, being out of position or something like that. Because as a young lad, I know he's done tremendously well. But I, I just thought that Eddie stepped in just at the right time. He made the made the substitution um, absolutely perfectly. Obviously, he made the substitution of Isak and Miggy, but didn't shuffle things too much. He didn't try and push Miggy back onto his usual right side. He, he left him on the left-hand side. Um, and I thought that the way that he allowed... Um, and and made a slight technical change in allowing Bruno to play that little bit deeper, give him that freedom, but protected him. Didn't protect them much from the tackles, but protected him in terms of the space that we we, we were allowed to create. Um, 
And I thought that I thought we managed the game really, really well. And that's why I'm looking forward to tomorrow because I think what we've got is we've got back to being able when we want to play a counter-attacking game. And I think the way that Luton have been playing recently, um, you know, they've been free scoring and we've been very impressed with them. Um, it, it, ironically, it was the game against Newcastle at home that seemed to set them off on a nice little run. Um, but I think if if they come with the mindset that they they can continue to play like that, and let's face it, had a great win and midweek, uh, you know, scored four, didn't concede any. They're going to be they're going to be up for it. And but I think our counter attacking game, um, if if we play it right and we protect each other and work well, I think we can we can certainly certainly pay dividends for us. Um, I'm expecting and anticipating that it'll be exactly the same lineup. I think Isak will play. Um, but if he doesn't, then it'll be the team that 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 started the second half with Miggy on the left. And um the how well has how how well has has the team performed when they've when they've had that opportunity, as you mentioned, Steve, to to get some training under the belt, some familiarity on the training pitch, and and the opportunity, as we talked about last week, for Eddie Howe to get back and instill on the training pitch. The, the mentality and the physicality and the style of play that he wanted them to do because we'd lost a little bit of that shape over the previous time through exhaustion, through quantity of games. And we've said on here, or I've said on here on a number of occasions, that I think this is the sort of squad that needs to be managed on the pitch. They need to know what the game plan is when they go out. They're not a let's get out there and run around and do stuff because when they do that, the whole thing breaks apart. And there were times when we were playing midweek and then weekend and midweek and weekend and travelling and they weren't getting that opportunity to, to to bed the philosophy back in the mindset and the mentality because they were both physically and mentally exhausted. I think that now is the time when we will kick on and you look, and we talked about it on, on Wednesday, um, you look at the teams that we've got to play over the next uh, eight to ten weeks Um I can see no reason why we can't go on a run and potentially pick up 30 points from the next 10 games. I genuinely believe that because I think the self-confidence is back and I think with players coming back in, the likes of uh, of Barnes and, and Willock, um, I think that we've got the opportunity to kick back on um, and, that, and that's why I think it'll start tomorrow um, and that's why I'm looking forward to the game and I know that you know, Luton will, will come here hoping that they can get something, but I think that they they'll be very very lucky if they go away with even a point tomorrow. Okay, George, thoughts? Yeah, um, I can't see um, Newcastle United tomorrow allowing um, Bark Barkley and uh, Townsend to run the game like they did at Kenilworth yeah. Road. They're not gonna they're not gonna get away with that again, surely. Um, that'd be well and truly looked after. And if it is, they won the, the, the other night again, and it was those two that made the game for them. There's no question about that. I can't see anyhow letting that happen again. And uh, the good thing about the Villa game was that we weren't just back to where we were. We actually were a step up, in my opinion, in that game. From, from, from 10 minutes, you could see on the look on Emery's face, he knew he wasn't going to win that game. And uh, let's see some more of that tomorrow. That that you know, go out and uh, be positive and uh, and have a go at it. And the other th thing about Villa was 
Eddie Eddie showed his 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 uh, his plan B, if you like, at the, towards the end when he played five across the back and it worked the treat. It worked the treat. So so the thinking's back. The energy seems to be back. Um, there's no reason why we shouldn't win handsomely tomorrow, in my opinion. And uh, um, as Steve just said, go on a run which which will collect uh, thirty points. Uh, at least, at least. Um, so yeah, it it uh, it's a very uh, positive uh, time, I think, for the club. We've jumped all the hurdles that's been thrown in front of us and got and come around not too badly at the end of the day because the others haven't kicked on. And uh, yeah, European places uh, sticking in the face. I mean, I think the people who drew this, the fixtures so didn't do any favors at the start of the season. But we're sitting here now, and we've played all the big ones. You know, there's nobody to to, to come or go to that's that's going to be a big hurdle for us that much um, after after these ten games. So no, it 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 could be very very positive. And as I say, I can't see uh, Eddie Howe's team tomorrow allowing uh, Townsend and Barkley to uh, uh, run run the game like they did at uh, at Kellingworth Road. That that's no, I can't see that happening at all. Um, the other thing is that uh, um, the uh, team that finished with Gordon in the middle, I, I'm not worried about that. If it, if it happens to be that, um, as Gordon showed in in his in that World Tournament, he ended up Player of the Tournament, and that's where he played. <laughs> that role that we that we're worried about, we're not going to have. Um, so if it's him, I'm I'm up for it. I mean, he, the big thing about him is like Wilson does. He's not leave the defenders alone. He's like a nasty little wasp when you're on a picnic. You know, you're swatting it all over. Well, that's Gordon when he's really on his on his high door. So that wouldn't worry me them at all. In fact, uh, if if he is there, I can see him getting two or three goals. So yeah, very positive tomorrow for me, and uh, uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it, really. Mitch, your thoughts on the uh, the game tomorrow? At home, we can have the opportunity on a small type ground to try and bully teams. And that sounds from speaking to a Brighton fan from you know to see them exactly what they did at Brighton the other night. And once once they were 2 0 up and under five minutes, that was game over. They were only ever gonna make in and Brighton were trying very hard apparently to play a passing game and they just didn't have the space. Yeah. Well, there'll be plenty of space on St James's Park, that's for sure. And I don't think they'll have the, 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 their own way entirely. And uh, it's a bit to put a performance on. We've got to build on that Villa result. There's no doubt about that for me. It'll be a cry and shame if we don't. And then we'll go into this next run of games really well at um, I would actually like to say we give them a damn good thumping. Yeah. Just to, you know, just to remind them that, yep, you enjoyed your win over with down as well. It's never, ever going to be that easy again. Thank you very much. And I think uh, we, we, we can't underestimate the fact we've had the group together properly. We've had the group together training properly. We've had the group together working on things together, not just in recovery, not just scrambling to the next game and seeing who's fit. Um, and and I think we could see some price, some surprises on the bench tomorrow evening. Um, that makes the lack of activity in those last few hours of the window makes me think that they obviously think a lot of people are that close, close at the being back in the real lives. That's me, the only logical explanation for me. 
Mr. White, something wasn't doing to help me enforce a few things. Um, so, you know, I think we'll, we'll see an entertainment game, game. We might have to be patient. I think they're going to be a bit back to the wall and they'll defend, like, you know, as hard as they can. Um, so I think the patience might be one of the buzzwords tomorrow. But I think once we get one of those in front, there's no reason why we can't just drive it home from there. Question for all three of you before I go for the prediction, and that's just about the situation that we've got in the midfield area. We've got Anthony Gordon and Bruno Gomarez, both uh, one booking away from a suspension. Is that going to come into his thinking, Steve, tomorrow, do you think, with his team selection, depending on whether, you know, I, I think more with Wilson and with, with Isaac as well, you know, that both of them are, you know, Wilson's coming back from injury, Isaac withdrawn, I think, for, for safety concerns, for, you know, coming off just as a precaution, probably going to be okay for tomorrow in some way, shape or form. But it's going to be in his mind, isn't it, about these bookends? And he's, he's not really going to want both of them suspended for the same two games, Steve. Um, potentially, but that's it. That there's there's nothing you can do. It it just needs a, you know, it just needs a a referee who is you know a little bit suspect, a player who makes a meal of a tackle and and the card comes. I think if we had uh, the one thing you can't do is you can't you can't wrap a player in cotton wool. You can't try and protect the player from a booking. You know that they can come from anything. They can come from indiscipline. They can come from. Like I say, from something that an opposition player does, and he reacts, gets good. The one thing that 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 Bruno didn't do on on uh, on Tuesday night was react to any of the challenges that went in. When we've noticed when things have haven't been going his way earlier in the season, he's he's put his foot in. He's he's done things before. It's it, it, not because it's happened to him. There's been one or two of his bookings where it's been retaliated. But there's no question about that. But. Uh, I think what we've seen over the last couple of games is the way that he's he's tempered that, and it's the loss of Joe Linton alongside, and he and I think he knows that that he's got to be very very careful. But I don't think you can, as as a manager, you can go out with the mindset of your selection by going, well, I'm I'm going to make him miss this. I think you just got to you just got to live with whenever the suspension comes. And at the moment, we, maybe it's when we get Barnes and and Willock available. And we genuinely know they're available, and Eddie can can bring them in. Then he's not too worried about having Bruno out for a for a for a two game when he knows he's got them two to slot in. But not playing Bruno because he's worried that he hasn't got anyone else. It literally has no one else in midfield, by the way. Um, it, it's not. It's it. It can't be in his mindset. He's just got to sit Bruno down, and he's just got to have a quick word with him. And but Bruno's professional enough to know what the situation is anyway, because we saw that on on Tuesday, as I say. And uh, just before the, what I was going to say was, Mitch mentioned and I've mentioned and George, both all three of us have mentioned how much the team being together and the training and the little things are like in the, in the in in training midweek. How good were the quality of some of the corners that Trippier put in? Yeah. <laughs> On, on Tuesday, you know, we've yeah, seen yeah. we've seen him really struggle mentally and physically, but the quality of his final ball on on Tuesday was absolutely sublime to watch. And look look at the benefit we got from it in terms of goals. Um, yeah, an aspect that we haven't had in the team for a, for a couple of months now. But uh, it just goes to show that when a player gets his head right and when he's physically not tired. Because he's had the benefit of a little bit of a break, 
and he's also had the benefit of just taking everything out of his mind and just working on the on the on the training pitch and uh, in the gym and just loosening himself. Um, that's what happens, and that's why we've said how important it is what we've been doing um, off the field and having that chance of, ref- of, of, of a total refresh, which is what we've done with, with exactly the same players. Yeah, I, I just want to remind people at the, at the end of the show, I'm going to play a little video at the end of the show. So I would I would appreciate, I know a lot of you dive off for about five minutes before the end. If you can just hang around because it's something important. I've got a, a new book which we've released, um, which is donating some money to a, a very important charity. But you'll watch the video, you'll you'll understand it. I'll play that at the end of the show. George, do you, do you agree with Steve? Do you think Bruno and... Um, you know, Bruno and, and Gordon won't be protected and, and he'll just go for it and just no, whatever he, happens, happens. If there's one thing about Eddie Howe, you know, he's a pragmatist. He, he, he goes with what uh, what's needed. And uh, shielding players like that's always going to come back and bite you in the bum. Um, it's it's a bit like play, people who go on the pitch with a, with a half-heartedly, with a half-hearted tackle. And you know fine bloody well that, that, that they're going to get knacked the first time they pull out of a, of a tackle. They're going to get, and the same thing applies to this. And we, we play um, softly, softly. You can guarantee it, at some stage it'll come around and bite when the backside and we'll be worse off. Um, no, I, I think he, he'll uh, he'll just go for it tomorrow and, uh, as, he, as he usually does. And I don't, don't think there'll be any hanging around. And for, for what it's worth, and it's only my opinion, and for, and for, for what that's worth, if if we were stuck, I would put the cells on and just shift Fabian Shai forward ten yards. Forty yards further forward from what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, seriously, it, it, the, the the quality of his play, yeah. the, the long balls he plays. You know, they'd be just in fact if if anything, they'd even be more dangerous ten yards further forward. But. That's just an not one of my daft ideas, but never mind. Uh, but no, he won't. He, I'd be amazed if he tries to protect them because it comes back and bites. If that that's football, as I say, you pull out of a, a challenge because you think you're going to get hurt, you'll get hurt. That's for sure. And and this would hurt us as well. So I, I you know, play play the way we did at Villa, and uh, and uh, Bookins might not be even even something we need to worry about because the, the, uh, Luton won't even touch her. <laughs> you know, it's more likely that they'll get into trouble for trying to, to kick Bruno and uh, Gordon than the other way around. So, um, Gordon's, it's sad. I think when Neil said it the other night, Gordon's in the position he's in more by reputation than actual bad fouls. Um, I mean, some 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 of the fouls he's been booked for really were trivial that other people would have got away with, but he hasn't because he's, he's, he's Anthony Gordon. Um, but I, I, I that's a long answer to your question, Steve. No, I don't think he'll protect them. He'll, he'll just play his game and, and and go for it. Same for you, Mitch. Yeah, you you, you can't ask them to change their game because then they're not going to be the same player. And so you've just got to deal with it. You know, I think if we get both of them through to the cut-off period without without at least one of them serving it too much, down, um, I'll show me backside and Goldsmith's window with a 50 carat emerald shield, don't you hope? You know, it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And so we've got to deal with it. And and that's obviously what we're preparing for. Um, we can't ask them to do something different because we're worried about it. Because if we go in then worried about that, are they going to put that foot back two inches further forward? That makes a difference between sticking the ball in the back of the net or not. Of course they're not. So, yeah. 
Just got to deal with it. Okay, did you take the dice with you, Mitch? There we go. I did. And the dice is... Oh, a healthy little... Oh, shit. Sorry. That was 3-0, by the way. 3-0, three, three which is what I've gone for. What are you going for, Mitch? This I will take the same. I'll take, the, take same. the same. George, what about you? Oh, I'm very bullish for tomorrow. I'm 4-0 at least. 4-0. Steve? I was going to go 3-0, but because you two have gone, I'll go 3-1. I'll take a penman. Stick with Stewie. <laughs> Stu, Stu's on the penman again. Oh, right. in, in, oh, um, I bet he is. I bet he is. Okay, uh, just time for this. Yeah, I met where we ask you to send in photographs of you meeting somebody from Newcastle, past or present. Paparazzi, thank you. My wife, Julian Sandro Tonali, apparently special offer in the January transfer window at Asda. Second time in a week, I think, that they've met over the aisles. So uh, thanks for sending that. Uh, great stuff. Uh, and as I say, always gives us a chance to play this. <laughs> And we always like to uh, give you a bit of a laugh. Uh, so here he is, right on cue. So, breaking news, Aladdin has been banned from the Magic Carpet Race. Apparently, he's been using performance-enhancing rugs. Good stuff. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, that's it, folks. Uh, the end of a, a magical two hours, as always. Uh, I am going to play out with a, a charity video, which um, I'd like you to watch. It's only about eight minutes long. Stephen, yeah, go on, George. Yeah, you, you always do. You always like Eric Morecambe. Yeah, you well, like in, in right response. at the end. In response to Ian, um, hi Emily, I'll be on, I'll be on the Instagram very soon. <laughs> I can see him throwing a can at the screen now. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, we'll be back, um, as I say, tomorrow with uh, Jason Tindall's uh, press conference review and Sunday night six o'clock. The professionals, uh, but for now, take care. Thanks, lads. Good night, Good night. everybody. Thanks for waking us up. <laughs> So in 2023, we received a manuscript. Uh, it was anonymous, and uh, within this manuscript, there were some monologues uh, for female actresses, something of which there's a, a shortage of. And we were asked if we would be interested in publishing the particular manuscript. Um, we said yes. Uh, this is the book from dialogue to monologue. And we were also asked by the, the third party if we would be interested in selling that book. Um, uh, to try and aid uh, people who have got dementia. The reason being that the, the author 
um, had somebody in their family who had suffered from dementia and had received care within the northeast and wanted to give something back so that was the reason we got involved we thought it was a, a good opportunity for us to you know to help put something back and to help a worthwhile cause in the northeast um, I looked across the northeast trying to find somewhere that would be um, you know uh, you know would like to receive some kind of help and support and we we stumbled across this place in Brunswick um, so I contacted a good friend of mine Neil Jackson at Media Arts he came down to the center with me we got a tour um, it was it was a you know a, a valuable two hours for us to come and see how the center worked meet the people who run it uh, the volunteers and uh, we knew this was the place to, to, to benefit from this particular project so that's it really, you know, we, we've we set about the challenge. Uh, as I say, the book has been printed from dialogue to monologue. It's on sale at our website and um, all proceeds go to the centre. Well, it's been uh, in existence for around 25 years now, just a little bit over 25 years. Uh, it was originally on the site of an old school and it's obviously been repurposed and rebuilt. And um, it's been in operation for that, uh, that period of time uh, for, as, uh, 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 as the charity's been running. Um, we have a residential care unit upstairs. It's a dementia specialist unit. We also run uh, a, a, a day centre, um, and that is uh, also operated from the building. Uh, again, it's dementia specialised, but we do uh, offer services uh, to people outside of uh, the dementia diagnosis. Um, uh, but we also run some home support. So the home support's like the, it's domiciliary care, whereby our carers will connect into somebody's family home uh, just to kind of keep them as independent and active in the community as possible. And give them that little bit of extra sort of wraparound care to make sure that people uh, are safe and actually still living fulfilled lives. Um, we, uh, as part of it, we run, uh, we have employed um, uh, uh, workers, but as well we have uh, some volunteers that come and help us do things like fundraising um, and uh, basically kind of help us to promote the charity. So it's got a lovely family feel to it and that's something that we're really kind of keen to keep, develop and push. So it's, we're um, predominantly uh, North Tyneside, uh, into Newcastle and Northumberland as well. We kind of sit quite nicely on the border there. Uh, we tend to operate, our home support tends to be more in the uh, North Tyneside areas, um, but we have residents that connect in from all of those different, those three sort of authorities, if you like. We have some funding from local authorities. Um, so uh, they will pay for uh, the, the particularly residential care and the home support side, they will often pay um, a, a, a significant amount towards, but some people are also privately funded as well. Um, what we tend to find is that people will come in as a privately funded individual and over time then they'll go on to a more local authority funded model. Um, but then we also are a charity, so we're constantly fundraising. Um, we're always trying to develop links within the community with other businesses and things like that as well, just to help us out. You know, we are a small charity and it's something that, you know, for us is really important to be able to develop those links and also just have that little extra stream of income coming in so that we're able to kind of do those nice extras that um, hopefully would set us apart from other people. 
it's, it's, it's really important that, that things like this are, are vital and I think for a couple of reasons one is that you know hopefully it brings in some much needed uh, funding um, but also about uh, raising the profile of um, not only dementia matters but also you know the, the sector as a whole care sector is a very difficult place sometimes to, to, to um, be a part of you know for family members and you know it can be very harrowing um, but also in terms of actually delivering care you know so it's great to be able to raise the profile and also kind of shout about the good work that our really dedicated care staff um, uh, 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 do from uh, day to day so things like that are, are this uh, are fantastic and it's just lovely to have those kind of links as well with um, uh, different areas of the community I think it's excellent. Um, as an actor of a certain age and female, I find I'm very limited in choice. It's always the same kind of style or age bracket. And I find for a female, 40 plus, it's definitely something that's needed. So yes, I'm absolutely thrilled to bits to do this one. It's such a worthy cause, um, something that's massively underfunded. I mean, you can see in the centre today yourself that everybody's overworked and more than likely underpaid and probably underappreciated for the things that they do. So I think if there's any kind of avenue that can be explored to raise awareness or just a bit of promotion for the centre itself, I think it's a really worthy cause. It was just like the pictures. I can't believe it happened. I mean, you don't expect it in places like this, do you? Blue tits taking the top off the milk bottle is about the most exciting thing that happens around here. Of course, there was the shrapnel that fell on number 19 during the war. Mrs Croxdale keeps that in her china cabinet. And the pig that slaughtered in Bluebell Meadow, even never did get anyone for that. But we all suspected who it could have been when the club started selling pork sandwiches. <laughs> but a robber in my post office. It was over in seconds, but it seemed to go on forever, like slow motion. Unbelievable. It doesn't give you time to think. You just do things automatically. And that stand with the greeting cards was the saving grace. To think I resisted putting it there. But Mr Fox was very persuasive. He'd welded the rack together himself from an old bed frame and it was far too heavy and cumbersome. But his daughter had handmade the cards and she's in a wheelchair so you feel obliged to do your bit, don't you? And to be fair, we did sell a few. Especially the drones of Buttercup Lane. Very naive, but honest in crayon. Now it just goes to show you never know what's around the corner. Because that Robert certainly didn't. He tripped over it and knocked himself out.